And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Well, hello, and welcome to the Mentors Radio Show. I'm Rick Brudico, your mentor host, and if you're a repeat, repeat listener to The Mentors, you know that we want to challenge your thinking about life and work, but you also know that my personal definition of wisdom is that it is knowledge modified by experience through time. Well, today we're going to count on getting some wisdom from my guest. Hopefully, he's going to help us understand a very challenging environment as together we look at 2019 from an economic point of view and how it might be an opportunity and a continuing challenge this new year. Every year I do this show or write about my forecast in my blog, but given the market volatility, the political environment, the trade talks, and the continuing unrest internationally, I'm really glad to have a true expert with us. My guest today is Patrick Powers. Pat is president of one of two divisions of BFS Wealth Management. He has offices in Irvine and Phoenix, Arizona, BFS Wealth Management manages investment portfolios for investors, individuals, families, qualified plans, and charitable organizations. They also provide sophisticated financial and retirement planning services. Mr. Powers is a CPA, a certified financial analyst, a certified financial planner, and he's also been in this business for over 30 years. So if anybody's had his wisdom modified by his experience, I'm sure it's Pat. So how are you doing, Pat? I'm doing real well, Rick. That's a a nice way of saying I'm old, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I just wanted to point it. It wasn't your first rodeo, as they say. <laughs> you no, know, that's great. I, I need I need to admit I serve on a couple of committees with Pat, where he manages our investment committee for some charitable organizations, and that's the main reason I asked him to be my guest uh, at this on this show because. Um, he always teaches me something. There's just never a meeting we go to. We meet quarterly, and there's never a meeting we go to that I don't learn something new. He always starts our meetings with a recap of the markets. And uh, so I'm going to ask you to do that now, Pat, if you don't mind, and give us a little hint at where we are and what you see in the future, and then maybe we'll make you make a, a projection, at, projection at the end of the, uh, of, of the show today. Okay, I'd be happy to do that, Rick. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Last year was a very interesting year, to say the least. And, and to understand last year, I think we have to go back to 2017. In 2017, the S&P 500 was up around uh, 21% uh, with dividends. And it was a year that was marked by an unusual uh, 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 low volatility and really historically low volatility. If you look at a chart of the S&P 500 in 2017, you'll see that it was just a a steady grind up with very little variation between the highs and the lows of the days uh, for the most part. Uh, It was a good year, but almost eerie in how quiet it was in terms of volatility. When the calendar flipped over on January 1st, what happened was that investors just said, hey, it's a new day, and for some reason they got real excited, and the market kind of melted up in the first part of January of 2018. The market was up 7.5% in just the first three weeks of the year, and it was a a straight-up kind of a uh, trajectory. At that point, President Trump, said uh, a word for the first time that fell upon our ears, and that was tariffs. And investors did exactly what they always do when they don't understand how something is going to affect corporate earnings. They sold, and they sold dramatically. The market dropped almost 12% over the next two and a half weeks or so. And investors used that time to kind of figure out what it all meant. What effect was the uh, Trump policy towards tariffs going to have on corporate profits? 
they did their research and they figured out, well, it's not going to mean a whole heck of a lot, uh, at least initially, and we're going to have to wait and kind of see how this develops. But right now things look good in the market, and so they started buying again. And the market did what it often does in these situations. It really literally churned on a dime. It came right down to the 200-day moving average uh, held there. And when it did, investors took heart, and the market recovered about oh three quarters of its uh, of its losses over the next oh, four or five weeks or so. It went down and tested that 200-day moving average one more time, which is also very, very normal. Uh, any kind of a downdraft in the market will almost always result in a test. And once again, the uh, 200-day moving average held, and the market from that point on uh, at the beginning of April started grinding up, which it did until September 30th. So everything was good. We were at record highs and having a real good year in the markets uh, as of September 30th. But on October 3rd, another individual said something that the markets didn't like, and this time it was Chairman Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board. And he said that uh, the Fed basically was going to continue on with its plan to raise interest rates at pretty much every other meeting, which would have resulted in a raise in December and then four raises in 2019. And by the way, they were also going to continue uh, with their uh, bond program to uh, um, reduce uh, the balance sheet of the Fed. And the effect of that each quarter was equivalent to another 25 uh, basis point or quarter percent hike in interest rates. The market didn't like that. They didn't like the fact that the Fed was planning on just going full steam ahead irrespective of of the economic indicators that were coming out that were indicating that market that the economies worldwide might be slowing down just a bit. And so that kind of it spooked investors and 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 the market initially had a almost a 12% uh uh fall off again going into the end of October. Uh kind of bounced, came back down again, kind of bounced and then just fell off dramatically in the month of December. And as a result of that, what was a real good up 8 or 9% year for the S&P 500 as of the end of the third quarter turned into about a 4.5% loss for the year. So a year marked by a tremendous amount of volatility, a year marked by a relatively small loss uh, of 4.5%, and that came on the heels of a 20% gain in 2017. So not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination, but it was disappointing to say the least. It was disappointing to be um, in such good shape at the end of the third quarter and then have it all taken away from us, if you will, in the fourth quarter. Okay, uh, Pat. Uh, just we're coming up against a break, but maybe if you could quickly cover. I think a lot of uh, people don't understand what happens when the Fed buys back the bonds. Yeah, when the Fed buys back uh, bonds, they are they are um, when they're a buyer in the market. Market it does a lot to uh, 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 increase liquidity in the markets. And when they aren't in there buying, then it's going to reduce that liquidity, and it affects interest rates. If you don't have the Fed in there buying bonds, other buyers have to come in and and buy those bonds, and you're going to have to uh, uh, you're going to have to offer more attractive rates in order to entice those other buyers to come in and 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 make up for the fact that the Fed's not buying. So, kind of the effect of that um, as they let bonds run off and don't replace them by buying new bonds, the effect of that is to increase uh, short-term interest rates by about a quarter of a percent per quarter. So it's significant. And it's really significant, and I think that's gotten lost uh, 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 in the understanding a little bit. It's not just the 25% raise at each of the Fed funds meetings, but it's the 25% per quarter effect of, the, um, of, of uh, uh, letting the bonds run off and not buying them back. Well, thank you, Pat. We're up against a hard break right now, and you'll see that a lot in the radio business. But we'll get back with you right after the break. Please stay with me, listeners, and we'll quiz Pat on more of the wisdom of the economic markets in 2019.
Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. My pillow is now offering 50% off their four-pack special plus free shipping. Go to mypillow.com or call 1-800-890-6632. 1-800-890-6632 and use promo code mentors. That's 50% off plus free shipping. Don't delay. Order now. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration. And a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to catholictextbookproject.com to find out why. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Mentors Radio. I'm your mentor host for today, Rick Brutico. We're talking with Pat Powers, a 30-year-plus pro in the investment markets, and getting his perspective on 2019. We just finished a very interesting discussion, about a little bit about 2017 and in-depth about 2018. Kind of got us to where we got us. And the last thing that you said, Pat, was that... Uh, the Fed uh, was continuing the bond program, costing us about a quarter of a percent each quarter. Uh, and uh, I'm, it sounds like to me that's a little bit of market man- manipulation. Can you kind of uh, explain that a bit for us? Yeah, Rick, you're exactly right. It is market manipulation. And in, in, in a kind way, I would say, there's uh, uh, we've benefited in over the past, uh, gosh, eight years, nine years since the a great recession that ended in 2009, March of 2009, from this manipulation, if you will. And what I mean by that is that we've had a quantitative easing program, and the quantitative easing program had a variety of different facets, but one of those facets was that the the Fed decided to uh, enter the bond market and buy bonds in huge, huge amounts. And that created the demand for bonds, which depressed interest rates. When there's that much demand for bonds, then, you know, the bond issuer, in this case the federal government, doesn't have to offer a higher rate to attract buyers. And so that went on for years and years and years and stimulated the economy, and that's what caused our rates to go down to absolutely historical lows. And that was stimulative. Now the reverse is happening. Now it's time to kind of unwind all of that. So the Fed, instead of becoming a a buyer of bonds, is withdrawn from the market. They're not buying anywhere near as many bonds. They're just letting the bonds on their balance sheet run off right now. So now there's not as much demand for bonds in the in the global marketplace, uh, particularly U.S. bonds, because the Fed, the big buyer, has stepped away. And so that causes interest rates to rise a little bit in order to attract other buyers, the Chinese, whoever, to come in and, and buy these bonds. And the effect of that is that it's raising interest rates by about a quarter of a percent per uh, quarter. And so it is manipulating, but but it's necessary manipulation, as is the increase in the Fed funds rate, because we've got to get interest rates back up to where the buyers of bonds are being compensated fairly for the risks that they take. And 
in recent years, that hasn't been the case. And once we get rates up to kind of a normal level, then buyers of bonds will be compensated fairly for the risk they're taking once again. So investors are kind of looking forward to that happening. They just don't want it to happen too fast, and they don't want to be surprised at all along the way. But isn't it also taking a lot of the uh, investment money, especially in other places like real estate, isn't it taking it out of, out of the market? In other words, potentially out of the, the, the classic investment markets. It is. You're absolutely right, because the um, these other buyers have to come from somewhere. And as interest rates rise and become more attractive, people that might otherwise have invested in real estate or invested in equities might be more attracted to pull some money out of those sectors and invest it in the bond market. Right. And then, and then of course, there's the, the people that are just the... You know, Jane and Joe lunchbox that have invested all their money in their home and whatever, and now they see an opportunity to get it out and they can sell it at a good price because of a, a much lower interest rate, and that now reverse, goes in the reverse order. So the liquidity in that market starts to slow down, again impacting back on cash flow availabilities for investments, IRAs, things such as that. Wouldn't you say? That's that's absolutely correct, and and one of the buzzwords that you'll hear in the markets these days is liquidity, and there are some concerns that liquidity is getting tighter, and that's part of the reason why we have more volatility in the markets. One of the areas I think that's most susceptible to um, uh, tightening liquidity is the high-yield bond market right now, and um, that's something that we have to keep an eye on going forward. So is it if if the Fed is raising the height had these rate hikes is that also affecting liquidity in such a sense that it is increasing the volatility that we're seeing or maybe causing some of that volatility we're seeing it it absolutely could be one of the um uh one of the reasons for that increase in in, in volatility and um that's very very typical I would say of um uh, you know, programs such as this. The thing that we have to keep in focus, though, is that uh, there's a, a certain amount of volatility is very, very normal. And we lost sight of that in 2017 because we had no volatility at all. And we have very short-term memories, and we think, okay, well, that's kind of normal. Well, that's not normal at all. In the equity markets, for example, we will have pullbacks in the index in in the magnitude of 5% plus three to five times a year on average, three to five times a year on average. That's just the market breathing in and out, okay? It's nothing to be concerned about. On average, we will have a 10% plus pullback, which is called a correction, once every 18 months or so. Now, don't hold me to the 18 months because it doesn't happen that way. We might go four years without a 10% correction, which happened, um, you know, really in 2000, you know, 14, 15, 16, and 17, we didn't have a correction. In 2018, we've had two corrections in that magnitude. So that's how you get your 18-month average. But they tend to come in clusters. But that's normal. That's nothing to be really uh, concerned about. Well, Pat, I think, and I know you've said this before, so I'll kind of say it for you, and maybe you can explain it to people. I think that, you know, the people that get that will get hurt or get affected, maybe not hurt because they could, they could benefit, are the traders, people trading in and out of the markets. But I've heard you say before, for, we always forget that for every buy, there's a sell, and for every sell, there's a buy. And so you got to expect people are betting, uh, betting on both sides of this issue. That's exactly right. I think um, it's important to uh, be humble when you're doing this kind of work and not to think that you're the smartest guy on the planet because when you, every time you execute a trade, there's somebody that's probably at least as smart as you, if not smarter, on the other side of that trade. Now, they may be doing it for different reasons, so it's not uh, you know a linear kind of a thing. But uh, it is in the, in the options market, though. The options market is a zero-sum game. And so for every winner, every, every dollar won in the options market, there's a dollar lost by somebody else on a one-to-one -one basis. So you have to assume that when you're doing those trades that you're up against somebody that, you know, is, 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 is you know, every bit as smart as you, is, if not more. And I think the same thing is true when you're investing in the equity and, and, and the fixed income markets as well. You, you need to be humble in this business. Well, and I think that's a good place for us to go because uh, we're getting up close to a break again. But I, I'd like to just kind of hit a little bit on the difference in philosophies of people that are, are traders and people that are, that are investors. Um, 
I know that my personal philosophy is that I'm an investor. I'm not smart enough to be a trader. I'm not smart enough to compete against some of those uh, trading programs that are out there, the, all of the research that the big companies do, and also the huge, huge uh, amounts of, of cash that are invested in markets by anybody from uh, foreign markets to you know people that do this investment as, as a way of life. And I think that uh, a lot of us don't think that way. And we get excited when the market goes up, thinking we've made a lot of money, not realizing that if we, if we don't sell, we haven't made any money. And by the same token, we get all excited when the market goes down and start to panic and not realizing that if we don't sell, it hasn't affected us at all. I guess what I'm saying is you've often expressed to me the long-term performance of the markets and the steady uptrend of that performance. Maybe we can touch on that after we get back right after the break. So stick with us, folks, and you'll learn a little bit more about what happens being an investor versus a trader and some of the things that you're up against every day when you're in the markets. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Are you struggling with how to practice your faith at work? Get answers to your questions and much more on the Catholic Business Journal, focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. That's catholicbusinessjournal.biz. The Catholic Business Journal, generating a return on principle. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. catholicbusinessjournal.biz. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world, and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to make today matter. Available everywhere books are sold. When a prospect like Sarah visits your website, will she engage with your content? Will your message be friendly? Will it be informative? Most important, will it build trust, like one friend to another? If not, go to betterwebsales.com and contact Catherine Andes. Catherine can freshen your website, plus drive more traffic with SEO, helping you turn visitors into customers. Start today. Go now to betterwebsales.com. That's betterwebsales.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. So we're back. I'm your mentor host, Rick Brudico, and I'm talking with Pat Powers, an investment pro. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of answers to questions that I know have uh, boggled my mind for years. I hope you are, too. I'd like to pick up Pat there, and we start talking about investors versus traders and some things that happen. I know I think we're kind of aligned in our philosophy that... If you're an investor, you should be an investor. Don't try to trade against the big guys. There's too many things against you. Maybe you could uh, kind of pick up where you left off and help us with that. 
Yeah, Rick, I, I would um, say that investing has changed dramatically over the 30 years that I've been involved in it, and it's just the, the rate of change is just accelerating. And I'll give you a couple of, uh, of examples uh, of that, if you don't mind. With respect to uh, investing during the day, we stay out of the market pretty much completely the first hour of the day and the last hour of the day. And the reason for that is that you've got – what we would call traditional investors that are really trying to uh, pick companies that are worthy of an infusion of capital or identify companies that don't deserve the capital that they have and should have some capital taken away. And they'll make investment decisions on that basis. It's an allocation of capital to you know, worthy companies, let's say, and they're investing for the long term. On the other hand, you've got the program traders, the computers, the algorithms that couldn't care less whether a company deserves capital or not. They just are looking for you know fractions of pennies in the market uh, where they can make money by generating extraordinary volumes and just uh, reacting to different factors or uh, that they identify. And to give you a, to give you an example of how that works, it's like two games being played on the same field at the same time. Let's say you've got a, uh, a soccer field, and on that soccer field, you've got a football game being played and a soccer game being played at the same exact time. You know, it can be done, but it's really, really messy. And that's what happens in the market to, uh, to a large extent each and every day, particularly at the beginning and the end of the day. And Pat, I want to give Pat, you I'd like to interrupt you. That, Pat, let me interrupt there just, just to make sure we all understand. I think I understand what you mean. But I, I think you're saying, I think you're trying to say or saying, and uh, I'm taking away anyway, is the fact that um, there's a, a couple of reasons for the market. One of them is it's a way that companies raise capital, and that's why we invest in it. On the other hand, it is a way for other people to buy and sell and make money individually for themselves with no uh, no relationship whatsoever to the necessarily to the absolute value of the company. That's correct. That's really correct. Okay. They're looking at other factors, and I, I and I can show you how that's um, changed the mutual fund world uh, to a great extent as well. We. There's an area of investing called small cap international investing, and that's where you used to hop on a plane and go to Timbuktu and, and rent a Jeep and drive to a manufacturing facility someplace and meet the management and tour the plant and so on and so forth. And um, you would really have to go out and sort of kick the tires on anything that you were going to invest in. And that's kind of the traditional model, if you will. And as a result of that, the expense ratios for small cap international funds were higher than other funds because it just costs more you know, to do your due diligence for those types of entities. Goldman Sachs has a small cap international fund where they don't do any of that. And what they do is they simply use their computers to identify factors that are generating um, uh, positive uh, results uh, for small cap companies, and then once they've identified those factors, they will look for other companies that exhibit those same factors, and they will buy those companies. And the computer does all that work. They don't ever go out and talk to management or visit facilities or do anything like that whatsoever. It's just all computer analysis. And to take it a step further, they will listen to 4,000 conference calls each quarter, but they don't listen to any of them. The computer listens to the conference calls, and the computer listens to the person and what they say and looks for different uh, intonations in the statements that they make to find out if they're or to determine whether they're more confident this time when they say it than last time, and if they are more confident, then they initiate um, uh, buys or or if they're not, they uh, initiate sales. So it's totally 100% computer driven, and um, and that's the changing face of investing today. Well, and and that's kind of really interesting and somewhat scary because uh, that's kind of a little bit what the program trading is is going on too, right? I mean, there's computers that's executing a- trades that that there's nobody like me sitting there uh, figuring it out and saying I want to buy IBM or Apple or something like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. When uh, the Fed Chairman Powell spoke after the uh, December meeting, he, they, they announced that they were going to raise rates a quarter of a percent, and then about an hour later he had a conference call. And the S&P 500 
was up about 380 points, I think, when the call started. And by the time he got done with the half hour or so interview, the market was down about 350 points. And a lot of that, I think, is program trading, and it's computers listening to uh, exactly what he says and, and, and computers generating sell orders uh, as he was speaking. In fact, traders on the floor of the exchange were were seen to be saying, you know, get that guy off the air, get that guy <laughs> off the air, uh, because the longer he talked, the more the market went down. And that's not individuals like me that's putting in those sell orders typically. Those are computer algorithms that are generating those sales, and it can just happen so darn fast. Well, you know, just to, to go off that just for a second, but follow up on your point on, on Jay Powell, the chairman of the Fed. Do you think they're getting it right from a market standpoint, or do you think they're really missing the boat and causing a lot of problems? I think they I think what they're trying to do is absolutely necessary and I think they're doing it in the correct way. I and I think when he had that conference call in December, I think he was really trying to um give the market what they wanted, but the way he expressed himself yeah. wasn't the way the market wanted to hear it, and that's right. why we had the sell-off that we've had. Uh, since then, they've they've kind of walked it back a little bit, and 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 have clarified. And you can see how positive that effort has been for the markets. But I think they're I, I think they've got their heads screwed on straight. I think that they understand that it's important to our country to get interest rates back up to a non-manipulated level, you know, a, a, a level that's determined by the market and not by the government. I think everybody right. understands that that's important, yeah. but it needs well, to be done that just makes um, the point, in a pragmatic it? way. It just makes the point, right? I mean, exactly. the, it's, it's we, the individual investor, against experts, against the not necessarily against the Fed, but taking into considering those factors, against program trading, against the... All of the all of this conversation we've had about computers listening to all these telephone calls and uh, conference calls, rather, those things seem to me to be above and beyond what an individual like me, who basically is an investor. So it seems my choice is to get in, get my portfolio established, and make sure that I balance that portfolio with where I think the market's going. But in the long term, know that I'm not betting for today, next week, next month, even this year. It's a long-term investment. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay. Well, one of the other questions maybe you can hit very quickly is, I know you have a strong opinion on EFTs, and uh, maybe you can just quickly tell us the advantage or maybe disadvantage of the EFT, buying EFTs. An EFT is just a mutual fund that's exchange traded, so you can buy it and sell it any time during the day. You don't have to wait until the end of the market close. And when you buy an ETF, you're buying shares in it. And let's take the S&P 500, for example. If you want to get exposure to the S&P 500, you buy shares in an S&P 500 ETF. So you're, 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 you're anting up your money to buy shares in that. The ETF will take that money and go out into the market and buy all 500 companies in exactly the percentage that they occupy in the index. The problem with those is that if everybody tries to get out at the same time, the, the price of the shares of the ETF can drop dramatically faster than the price of the underlying holdings uh, in the ETF. Let's stop there. Pick it up after the break. Stick with us, listeners, because I actually said EFTs, meaning ETFs. I'm glad Pat corrected me, and we'll explain, or he'll explain, the dangers in that particular trading strategy. Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. 
this idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Join the hundreds of thousands of Samaritan Ministries members who are faithfully sharing millions of dollars in medical needs each month. For more information, visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. Do you have a message for our listeners? Imagine right now, instead of hearing these words, you could be hearing your message on the Mentors Radio Show. We offer a multimedia package and special benefits available only for our radio partners. We love to customize a package that best suits your needs and goals. See for yourself. Give us a call at 844-610-8255. That's 844-610-TALK. 844-610-8255. Or drop us a note at TheMentorsRadio.com to learn more. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, welcome back. I'm Rick Brudico, your host of The Mentor Radio with Pat Powers, who's helping us understand the investment markets, and especially we're looking forward to getting his perspective on 2019. But right before we left, Pat gave us a lot of information on EFTs and program trading and a lot of a lot of things, last hour trading and first hour trading. I mean, a lot of things that scared me, Pat, made me worried. Can you Can you help expand my mind on that or at least calm me down? Yeah, I think I can. Um... J.P. Morgan publishes a chart that I think is really interesting, and I call it Time Heals. Their title, though, is Time, Diversification, and the Volatility of Returns. And what they did is they went back to 1950, and they looked at every rolling five-year period from 1950 through 2018. And that covers just every kind of market that you can imagine. It covers a whole bunch of bear markets and the dot-com bubble bursting, bursting in the Great Recession in 08, 09, et cetera. And so they looked at returns for every rolling five-year period, which means if you invested on uh, January 1st, 1950, and you, and you looked at it in 1954, or you invested in 51, you went to 55, 52 to 56, et cetera. So every rolling five-year period. And what they found out was this. If you invested your money 100% in stocks, which would be the riskiest kind of investing you could do, the worst five-year period you ever would have had, you would have been down 3% per year for the five years. Three percent per year for the five years. If 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 you if you invested a hundred percent of your money in bonds, the worst five year period you would have had between 1950 and 2018 would have been you would have been down two percent per year. And if you invested half your money in stocks and half of your money in bonds, you never ever would have had a five year period where you had less money at the end than you had at the beginning. You would have the worst five year period you ever would have had, you would have been up one percent per year. So not a great return, but that is looking at the worst possible situation. And what's important is the longer your investment horizon, the better you do. For example, if you had a 10-year horizon, the worst 10-year period you would have had in stocks, you would have been down 1% per year, and you, and you never would have had a 10-year period where you lost money in bonds or in a 50-50 portfolio. So having a diversified portfolio that's properly built and, and, and having money invested for at least a, a three- to five-year time horizon is going to take away about 99% of your worries as far as investments are concerned. Uh, time really does heal, and that's because we're human beings and we do stupid things and we get ourselves into trouble, but being human beings, we're pretty darn smart too, and we can recognize a mistake and we can figure it out and correct it pretty quickly. And that's been the history of investing uh, um, for hundreds of years. 
and that that's what's called like a balanced portfolio, right? Where you balance that's it correct. with stocks and, yeah. and 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 that's what investors like me need to go to people like you to help us understand how much of it we should have in bonds. In other words, how much how much of the upside are we going to give up by having a fixed uh, return through a bond, uh, and how much do we want to speculate? And I'm using that word very loosely. Speculate on the market uh, as far as the equity side goes. So you you would help to give us that relationship once you understand what our risk is. Is that correct? That's correct. We we build diversified portfolios uh, across the major asset classes. Uh, we will use exchange-traded funds to a certain extent, a relatively small extent, uh, and, and we use them for specific reasons. But more often than not, we're using actively managed uh, mutual funds to give us the exposure to the asset classes that we feel are important. And we use pretty sophisticated uh, technology and services to identify the funds that we think are the very best in the world for each asset class. We're really working hard to put a team of all-stars together. We want teams, uh, uh, management teams and uh, mutual funds that have a history of excellent performance uh, pretty much year in, year out. And once we've identified those, then we'll use them to build our all-star team for our clients. Your all-star team referring to your managers or referring to the stocks or equities or securities? Referring that you to the pick? mutual funds that we're using the for the most funds. part. Okay, yeah. yeah. So we have yeah, an so individual you're, stock you're, strategy also, but it's a little bit different, and and um, and and it's uh, pretty aggressive and more active. So you're interviewing managers, and I have had the opportunity to go along with an investor one time to do that. And you're getting that manager's philosophy, looking at what his results have been in the funds that he manages, and then say, okay, that fits into this category, and that's good for this type of person or something. Is is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah, we'll we'll use computers to do an initial screen, and we'll narrow an asset class. We might start out with 150 different funds, and we'll narrow it down to four or five. And once we've narrowed it down to four or five, we have a questionnaire that we've prepared, and We'll send that to the mutual fund company, to the to the portfolio manager, and we'll ask them to respond to that questionnaire. And usually the way they respond is we'll get on a conference call with their team and we'll go over those questions with them. But, you know, we can find a fund that's got a great track record, but we have to dig deeper. We want to know, you know, how they develop that track record. Do they, do they have that good track record because they just got lucky one year and had an outstanding year? Um, or have they been consistently excellent year in, year out? And, and, and that's really what we're looking for is, is we're looking for those fund managers that are really excellent. You'll hear all the time that 70% of fund managers don't beat their indexes, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. We don't care about them. We care about the 30% that do, and then we want to narrow that down, and we want to try to find the very best ones out of that 30%. Yeah, and I think – I think a lot of investors, uh, especially investors that maybe are invested in markets in small ways, don't realize the amount of data that's out there. I, 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 we kind of went over this before where I was concerned about investors versus traders, but I know another thing that's really important is the due diligence. And if you haven't got a, a firm that's going to do that for you and you can trust to uh, represent you correctly as they're analyzing this data, it makes it very difficult for us to understand which which uh, mutual fund or which, for that matter, equity is, is, is to our advantage or that would be compatible with our investment strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. People will spend more money trying to figure out what refrigerator to buy than they than they will uh, on yeah. their investments. And, Isn't that and true? It, it should definitely be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we do a lot of things because, you know, our neighbor tells us, you know, get this. It's hot. I work there. I can tell you. And and, and I can, I've also been through that. And those are the stocks you almost certainly are going to lose money on. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. no, you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, all right. We're again, as usual, coming up against a break, and uh, I, I think that the thing I want to point out to our listeners today is and to take into consideration what we're talking about here. This is this is a, a big chunk of what your net worth is. This is a big chunk of what your your future value is. It's a big chunk of your retirement. And if you do it right, you can count on it. As Pat says, you can minimize the worry, you can minimize the strain. But if you don't do it right, you're going to find out that, you know, you always seem to miss the big scores. Uh, so anyway, we're again coming up against a break pack, so stick with me. And in this last segment that's coming up, I'm going to ask you to give me your view on what 2019 is going to look like and what we should be, what we should be looking for as the individual investors in the field. 
Hey, there's something new for you at the mentorsradio.com website, a new special offers page. There you'll find unique offers available only to our listeners, you. For example, have you ever wondered if a career coach could help you get to the next level? Find out. For a limited time, a superb career coach is offering you a free session. The offers change all the time, so bookmark TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. TheMentorsRadio.com. There's a new book out that will open your eyes in ways you never expected. It's called Bully of Asia by Stephen W. Mosier, a critically acclaimed author and internationally recognized authority on China. In Bully of Asia, you'll find insightful and timely commentary on the economic and geopolitical rise of the People's Republic of China. You'll learn what China's aspirations for resurgence and hegemony mean for America and the free world. Bully of Asia is a must-read for anyone concerned about China's growing power and influence, and the threat of an increasingly aggressive and militaristic China poses to Western democratic values. To get your copy of Bully of Asia, go to bullyofasia.com. That's bullyofasia.com. Find out why China's dream is the new threat to world order. Bullyofasia.com. When a prospect like Sarah visits your website, will she engage with your content? Will your message be friendly? Will it be informative? Most important, will it build trust, like one friend to another? If not, go to betterwebsales.com and contact Catherine Andes. Catherine can freshen your website, plus drive more traffic with SEO, helping you turn visitors into customers. Start today. Go now to betterwebsales.com. That's betterwebsales.com. Do you want to make a living and live a meaningful life? Is it possible to be financially successful while making a positive difference in the world? Chris Lowney, author of the best-selling business classic, Heroic Leadership, and popular speaker on topics of leadership, corporate ethics, and decision-making, shares with you his 10 simple daily habits to building a better life and world, and how to implement them in his new book, Make Today Matter. Some of these habits include don't win the race, give away your sneakers, be more grateful, and control the controllables. Make Today Matter is a 2018 Distinguished Favorite Book in the Independent Press Awards and makes the perfect gift for anyone in a time of transition, graduating high school or college, beginning a new job, or entering retirement. No matter where you are in life, it is never too late to Make Today Matter. Available everywhere books are sold. And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Well, we're back. I'm Rick Brutico, your mentor host, and I'm with Pat Powers. And wow, what a show this has been. I've learned a ton, and I spend a lot of time in these markets, but not like my guest. So uh, during this segment, I'm going. it's the last segment of the show, I'm going to ask Pat to make his projections, predictions, whatever you want to call them, for 2019. Pat, are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> okay, the envelope, please, as they used to say. <laughs> Making projections in this business is somewhat suicidal, but I'll give it a shot anyway. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we'll take it. <laughs> I'm just going to talk real quickly about some of the issues I think that are on uh, uh, your listeners' minds. Uh, number one, we're hearing talk about the next recession, if you, if you will. There will be another recession, but not anytime soon. We look at what we call leading indicators, and the leading indicators are looking good. And there's just there just isn't a recession in sight. We're not going to have one in 2019, and I don't think we're going to have one in 2020. A uh, recession means that GDP has declined uh, or gone negative for two quarters in a row, and it's just not going to happen this year, and it's probably not going to happen next year. So let's take that off the table. Another thing that investors are talking about is uh, an inversion of the yield curve, and what that simply means is 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 that would occur if the yield on a two-year treasury was higher than the yield on a 10-year treasury. And you think, how can that even happen? That doesn't make any sense at all. And you're right. If if that does happen, what it what it indicates is that bond investors uh, think that the situation economically is going to get worse. And that has not been a very good predictor of a, of a recession. Uh, over the last 
nine times that the yield curve is inverted. We've only had a recession six of those times, and the recession didn't start until, on average, 14 months after the yield curve inversion. So we haven't even had a yield cur- curve inversion uh, yet. We don't think we're going to have one in 2019. So uh, it's not anything that we have to worry about right now. On the on the positive side, we think that 2019 is going to be a real good year for uh, equities. We think that the market got way oversold in the fourth quarter of 2018, and uh, the PE, the price to earnings ratio on the S&P 500, is down around 14 times earnings right now. Um, the average over 25 years is 16.1 times. So stocks are valued below average right now, and we think that uh, it's very likely that the P.E. will rise up to an average P.E., and that earnings growth will be about 7% next year. So we wouldn't be surprised at all to see a 15% kind of a return in the equity markets in 2019, and it could be higher than that. Um, The bond markets uh, are looking a little bit better, and they're looking better because it looks to us like the Fed will raise interest rates a quarter of a percent, probably not until June, but, but maybe only once next year. And it would actually be good news if they had to raise them again in the, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter because that would mean the economy was doing well. And we think the Fed's got the message from the market and that they're going to manage that, and we are going to have a soft landing, but I don't even think we'll have a landing next year. I think it's going to be just a real strong year. Um, unemployment went up to 3.9%, but that's actually a good thing because – uh, people came uh, back into the labor force, and there were jobs for those people. And so that was actually a positive, and that's one of the reasons that inflation is staying uh, low, and we expect that inflation will continue to be low and probably in the 2 to 2.3% range. So things are looking pretty good for next year, and we're pretty optimistic right now. So you're you're saying in essence, stay invested and just you know choose choose carefully, pay attention, balance your portfolio, but stay invested. So yeah, um, we raised some cash in the fourth quarter, and we're working as hard as we can to get it put back to work right now. Well, there you go, listeners. This is this is what you've heard, and and I hope you're as uh, I want to say impressed as I am because it it it's both helpful and in somewhat it's scary. These people are looking at a lot of factors that you and I look at, and we like we like the logo when we buy instead of looking at all the underlying factors, both of the economy, and they all look real solid. So. You've been listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and we've taken all the time with Mr. Pat Powers. We appreciate his time. We appreciate effort. We're hoping to get you back again, Pat. It was very, very helpful. Um, this is Rick Brutico, your mentor host, signing off. Remember, go to thementorsradio.com for information on this show and all of our previous shows. And in every day, in every way, do your part to make the world a little bit better. Thanks for listening. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.